What's up, you guys? It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. Today, I've got a birth story for you that covers a couple topics we haven't talked about before, and I'm so excited to be a little more educated on. So tune in and let's get going. Okay, you guys, so today I'm here with Aubrey. We're going to cover both of her pregnancies, her birth, a bunch of other things in between, and just kind of get some education on a couple things we haven't talked about before on this podcast, which I'm super excited about because we're going to get a firsthand experience with it. So let's start first with kind of your overall women's health experience, which started with you having endometriosis. That's kind of where your journey begins, I feel. Kind yeah. Of? Okay. Yeah. So bring us into like how you got diagnosed with it, what signs you were seeing in yourself, how your doctor kind of handled it, and yeah. how it's been for you. So yeah, I basically had painful periods throughout high school, and um, they eventually, like to actually diagnose endometriosis, you have to have the surgery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I Which was just... Which us through what that is. I don't know that everybody knows what the surgery entails. So, the surgery for endometriosis, it's the um, laparoscopic. They just do three incisions, one in your belly button, a little bit lower, and then on your left side. I don't know. That's what it was for me, left yeah. side. And then they just go in laparoscopically and basically just find from what, like, it's just like white dots on the walls of your uterus. Mm-hmm. At least it was for me. And they just laser them off. Um, and then I'm pretty sure endometriosis has like a 75% chance growing back. Yeah. So they put me on birth control after that. So I was on birth control. That I, so I had the surgery 2014, summer of 2014. Okay. So what, right out of high school? I was... Or senior in high school? Right wait, out of high school? no, 2000. When did I have the surgery? <laughs> I want to say 2014, but I was, yeah, it was right out of high school because I graduated 2013. Okay, okay. I was trying to, yeah, I was thinking because I I graduated in 14, so I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that would have been close. Okay, so right out of high school, you're starting on birth control. Was that something? So I was on birth control. Oh, before that. Before that, Okay, okay. Yeah. To kind of control your symptoms? or Yeah, just... because I was, like, having such painful periods. I'd pass out. Oh, geez, so girl. Passed out in choir once. Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> what did Vicky do? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, I don't think, I'm like, no, I know what this is. She's like, I think you might be sick. I'm like, I'm not sick. I know what's going on. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Bless that was great. Soul. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so you're, like, feeling horrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. did you feel like the birth control helped you? Um, well, they kind of assumed that I had endometriosis, and so they put me on birth control, so I'd have a period every three months. Okay. Um, and then once I had the surgery, they never wanted me to have a period. Okay. So. How did you feel about that? I mean, at the time, I was like, You're like, yes! (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, it was fine. Um, 
finding good birth control is hard. Okay. Um, I remember getting, you know, they started me on the pill. And I remember after maybe nine months, a year of being on it, I started noticing I'd get really bad leg aches. Mm. So my mom was like, oh, maybe it's a side effect of your birth control. So we tried something different. Did it go away? Did your leg aches go away? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then I was on the pill on and off throughout college. And then I finally got on the NuvaRing after that. I don't know. And I loved the NuvaRing. Okay. It was great. Yeah. I feel like the NuvaRing is like, it's like an IUD you can take out kind of. It's like, (laughs) I don't know how I think about it. Yeah. But you loved it. Yeah, I IUDs did. scared me. Still do. Yeah. So, yeah, I did the NuvaRing, and I felt like I could manage my emotions. I okay. felt a little yeah. less crazy. Yeah. <laughs> a little less PMS-y yeah. all the time. So I like well, the NuvaRing. That's yeah. good. I love that that was your experience. And so you were on NuvaRing for how long? I guess, when did you meet your husband? We met in... We started dating in 2018. Okay. So I'm just trying to give this like a timeline. So you're you're on birth control for at least how many years before you were even like obviously talking children? I was on birth control. I think I started birth control sophomore year of high school. Okay. So like 2010. And okay. then... Yeah. You started dating in 2018. We started dating in 2018. We started trying in 2020 for a baby. Okay, so like 10 years almost of birth control. Yeah. Okay. And on the NuvaRing, you were having a cycle once a month? Um, I was still, I think I was doing Were, were you three. still doing every three months? I think I was okay. doing the three. Okay. Yeah. So still not like regular is like a taboo mm-hmm. word, but still not like every single month with your cycle. Yeah. Okay. I think this is, I don't know, the only reason I'm talking about this is because I think it's a really important point to make, mm-hmm. just because I feel like with birth control, there are lots of amazing reasons it's used, but I feel like something that some people are undereducated about is that, like, skipping your cycle is not necessarily a natural thing, mm-hmm. and anything to, like, frustrate your body's natural cycle is something that may or may not have repercussions, and for some people... It's not an issue at all. But for others, they sometimes get to the point where they want to have children and they find themselves like hitting roadblocks they didn't anticipate. For sure. Which I feel like may have been your experience. I could be putting words in your mouth. You can tell me. (laughs) No, definitely was my experience um, because we had decided. So we had been married for about a year by the time we decided. And I was more on on the end of... I have endometriosis. I could have issues getting pregnant Mm -hmm. and I could not. It's like 50, 50. I don't even know. So I was more on the end of like, I'd rather start trying. And if we have issues, at least we started earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once my husband kind of got further along in school, he was like, yeah, okay, we can start trying. So we started trying and yeah, I feel like my OB at the time, so he had been my OB. He did Always. my surgery. Okay. Like, we mm-hmm. had been together for, like, 10 years. Yes. And I loved him. He was like, it can take three to six months for your body to regulate after birth control. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kept taking tests, kept getting negatives. And I wasn't super, I think, because I knew I had endometriosis, I was kind of prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
after about six months, they decided to put me on Clomid. Okay. And try that. And that didn't work. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we did a couple rounds. They, like, upped the dosage. And then we kind of put a pause because it was the holidays. And we were going to visit his family. And we didn't tell our families that we were trying. Okay. And we didn't want to, like, worry about going and get my blood drawn on yeah, certain just days. All the yeah. yeah. And so, it. yeah. So then we left for the holidays. And then came back and I got pregnant without being on Clomid. Oh, really? Yeah. Just out of nowhere you got pregnant? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So how did you find out you were pregnant? Um, <laughs> well, so obviously like we were still trying, so I was still taking tests mm-hmm. and then we got home and I was like, because of endometriosis, because of, I think my body trying to figure out what it was doing after yeah. all of that years of birth control. Like, I had irregular cycles still, Mm -hmm. but there were still things about them that were regular. Okay. So, I I was a couple days late for my irregular cycle. (laughs) Where you're like, um. (laughs) Yeah. So, I took a test, and it was negative, and then I think I, like, started what I thought was my period a couple days later. Okay. Um, But then I actually kept bleeding for, like, three weeks. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, like... I have irregular cycles, but this is really, really irregular. Um, So one morning I just was like, I'll just take a test. It was actually, I think, like two days before our third, second year anniversary. I don't know, second year anniversary. Okay, okay. Anyway, so I was like, I'll just take a test. And I took a test and it was immediately positive. And I'm like taking tests so many and they like, you wait, you wait, you wait. And like to see a line immediately happen, I was like, you're what? like, wait, I, am I okay? <laughs> yeah, and I was, like, bleeding, so I, like, was just so caught off guard. Yeah. Because I was like, I must be miscarrying. Yes, like, I, like, you're like, the hormones are there, but obviously, like, yeah. I'm not pregnant. Like, right. I'm bleeding. And, like, looking back at, like, the previous month, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was so hormonal. I was crazy. Oh, that's like, hilarious. I'm like, it totally makes sense. But, yeah, at the time, I was like... I must, I must be miscarrying, you know, and it was a Saturday. So we waited until Monday. I took a couple more tests and they were still positive. So I called in and then they immediately wanted me to come in Yeah, just cause yeah, if I was bleeding and so yeah, that kind of starts the whole drama with Remy's pregnancy because <laughs> Which, give it to us. We then want all the details. <laughs> every like they wanted to draw my blood and do all these ultrasounds because they weren't sure if I was miscarrying either. Yeah. And it was kind of a complicated situation because my OB was located in Salt Lake and we were living in mm. Provo at the time. And so I would just go to the hospital and then they would have to transfer all of my like lab work and everything to him. Then I have to wait for them to call me. So it was never like an immediate mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and so, yeah, so then, yeah, I would go every other day, get my blood drawn to see if my HCG was growing. And it was, but it wasn't like as fast as they would like okay. it to be. Mm-hmm. So they were like, oh, we don't They're know. They're still like on the verge of like, oh, it could go either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they like did an ultrasound and I think I was like five weeks Okay. So I, you know, and they're like, well, there is a baby. Like we see that there's a baby, but there was no heartbeat. There's Mm -hmm. nothing, you know? So you're like, okay. And then you, we came back the next week and there was a heartbeat. And so you're like, 
okay. okay. But like your lab work isn't like saying the same thing. So yes. it was just crazy. And then I mean, like, I bet that was such a whirlwind of emotions though, honestly. Well, like, did you feel that way or were you just kind of like, what's happening? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are you excited that you're pregnant or are you just like stressed because you're maybe pregnant or yeah, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, it feels so far away that I'm like, I know I was stressed. Yeah. Like, I know I was stressed and I like, I mean, I'm probably with what the majority of people, I don't love getting my blood drawn. <laughs> what? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the type of person that's like, you'd probably want me to lay down just in case. Yeah, I, don't pass I might out pass out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I got so used to getting my blood drawn mm-hmm. because I seriously, it felt like every other week, yeah. three times a day, you know, I felt like I was getting my blood drawn so much. And then I was getting ultrasound so much and it was like, okay, there's progress, but not enough to be like, you are pregnant. You are pregnant. Yeah, like this is happening. Interesting. And I was still on and off bleeding, so it was just crazy. And then I feel like because it wasn't at my actual OB's office, there was a lot of maybe miscommunication or, you know, the texts weren't like, I can tell you. Yes. And so, like, I had been told about the subchorionic hematoma, and the option or like what that could be which is you correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure it's just a pool of blood between your uterus and and the amniotic sac yes i believe that's what i think Mm -hmm. and so and basically they're like yeah so that like that can be common you know so when did they see that did they see that at like five weeks or did you or was it like further into your ultrasounds probably like I want to say maybe seven or eight okay but like I said I was getting ultrasounds at least every other week okay which looking back is a really cool experience because you see like oh there's just this little little egg yeah and then all of a sudden it's like oh there's an egg and a heartbeat and then you're like oh my gosh there's fingers like so it's really cool to see yeah um but yeah, I want to say, but it was just so back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. they'd be like, yeah, you probably have one. And then they would confirm it, and then I would go back again, and it was different. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's resolved. It's not there. I don't see one, you and know? So you're like, so what is happening, and why am I bleeding? And, yeah. Yeah. And so it the was right just, answer? Yeah, it was just kind of crazy. And I probably should have been more on top of it and swapped OBs to a closer location. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But... I loved my OB, so I was kind of like, I don't know. So, yeah, so eventually they were like, oh, yeah, you have one. and But then I would think it would be resolved because I would stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. But then I would do something. I'd pick up something too heavy or mm-hmm. I would move too much and I'd start bleeding again. And then you're like, well, am I miscarrying this time? Because yeah. <laughs> I thought it was resolved. Because you thought it was resolved. <laughs> totally. So, yeah, I remember like – one time we were at my friend's little daughter's dance recital and we like afterwards I picked her up because they wanted a picture and I picked her up and she's like five years old she's tiny yeah like 25 pounds yeah so <laughs> tiny and um the next day at like I woke up and I was bleeding and I was like oh my gosh like but at the time I didn't realize like I'm like like, you still question, like, yeah, I picked her up, but she's tiny. Yeah, you're like, it couldn't have been that. like. Yeah, and so we went back in that, like, as soon as the weekend was over, and there it was. It was still there. So I was on pelvic rest a lot, worked mm-hmm. from my couch a lot. Mm-hmm. It was kind of crazy. But it resolved about 
maybe halfway through my pregnancy with Remy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that can happen. Like it just like, if I could be wrong here, but I think eventually like you just kind of like absorb your body absorbs that blood back into wherever it needs to go. Yeah. And it resolves on its own. Right. And, but you can also like obviously have a successful pregnancy with these subchorionic hematomas. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to miscarry or anything like right. that. It like was your experience, but I just can imagine how stressful that was, especially being told that you thought it was resolved and then like continuing to bleed (laughs) and you're just like, okay, what is happening? Yeah. But you get to 20 weeks. Yeah. And it's resolved. Mm -hmm. Remy looks fine on like the anatomy scan. Yep. How are you feeling like morning sickness wise? Oh, so good. Okay. That second trimester was a gift from God. (laughs) You're like, I feel amazing. I'm not bleeding. Let's go. Oh, it was so great. And I had so much more energy and I... My morning sickness wasn't terrible with Remy. I actually never threw up with Remy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, but, like, obviously, those other, like, nausea was there. Yes. But. feel bad. <laughs> but it was more stress with Remy the first mm-hmm. trimester just because there was so much back yeah. and forth. Yeah. But, yeah, that second trimester, it was so great. <laughs> I love it. And then this is, again, kind of where it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. End of second trimester. You go into the OB yes. and you have the glucose test. Yes. That all of us love so much. Right. The beloved glucose test. The beloved test. glucose test. And you get the diagnosis of gestational diabetes. Yes. Now, this is where I want you to just educate us. I feel like many people don't know much about this. It's something that happens to quite a few pregnant women. Like, this is yeah. not something that's super rare. Right. But I feel like... We don't hear about it that often. So mm-hmm. tell us about your experience getting that diagnosis, how they kind of work through it, what it is. Yeah. Educate us. So, well, first I think it's important to know, like, you go in for the glucose test. They give you that. The drink, it's like 50 grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. And you drink it. You have five minutes to drink it. And then they'll draw your blood in an hour. Um, that's the first test. And then... Obviously, if you fail, you have the three-hour test, which Mm -hmm. is so terrible. Um, And how that one goes, so you'll fast during that one-hour test. Um, But with the second test, you actually fast. I don't know how long it is. I just remember they scheduled my test early in the morning, and I stopped eating at, like, 10 o'clock that night. So they had me fast all night. And then you go back in, and they draw your blood, and then you drink The second drink, which is the same size, but it's 100 grams of sugar. And... So potent. (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, the burning in the back of your throat when you drink it. Just literal sugar down there. Yeah. So, and you have five minutes, same thing. And then you are continuing to fast. And then they draw your blood every hour for three hours. So, it's four blood draws, three hours, basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know this, and this is why I'm, like, talking about it, but you cannot throw up (laughs) during that second test. You cannot be sick. You have to keep it down. And I didn't know that if you did throw up, you would have to start over. No. No. Yeah. So I drank it, and I asked for, like, my own room. Like, do you guys have extra room. I don't want to sit out here, you yeah, know. You're like, for three hours here, yeah. I'm just hanging out. Yeah. And like, I had heard, it was kind of funny because my first test, I was talking to the the nurse or the girl drawing my blood and I was like, oh, like, 
what you know like how is this normally you know like mm-hmm. what do you know she's like just avoid the second one at all costs and I'm like <laughs> okay can do like, you know like this one was a breeze I had no problems I didn't feel sick at all <laughs> yes oh that's freaking hilarious yeah and then two days later it's like come back in <laughs> and you're like great here I am yeah and so because she was like yeah I've had women drink it and throw up five minutes later <gasps> And I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Yes, you're like, that sounds great. Yeah, so I took the test, and I had, obviously, the first blood draw, did the drink. They came, did my second blood draw, and then I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me, but that second hour, man, that second hour is rough. Yeah, well, you're fasting, Mm -hmm. right? So that is like 100 grams of sugar Mm -hmm. sitting on an empty stomach. Like, I'm just like... I think about that being not pregnant and yeah. I'm like, oof, like, I know that would be horrible. Right. Yeah. So, and you're there for three hours. So like I had stuff to keep me busy. Like I brought a book, I brought my headphones and oh, that second hour I remember. So luckily I'm glad I had a room to myself yeah. because I would have looked crazy in the, in the freaking <laughs> meeting room, whatever reception area. Cause I seriously, I was like, I sat on the chair in the corner and then I was like, Oh, I'm not feeling good. Laid on the like bed that they have in the office. And then I was like, yeah, no, this isn't working. So oh, I laid no. on the floor. I had no <laughs> shoes on. Like I looked like a mess. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to be sick. And I ran out of that room, no shoes, ran to the bathroom, and I totally <laughs> threw up. No. And I came back, and I felt so good after. Yeah, like, I feel amazing. Yeah, I was like, this <laughs> this is great, you know. So I just waited for my next blood draw, and she comes in, and she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, like, that was a rough hour, and I, I kind of threw up a little bit. And she's like, well, how much did you throw up? And I'm like, you're like the whole drink. <laughs> well, and I was like, I know it wasn't the whole drink. Like it was yes. just a little bit and it like relieved my symptoms. It was just enough to relieve yeah. my symptoms. And she's like, yeah, well, we're going to have to stop. And I was like, what? Oh, no. And I had no idea. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's common knowledge. Right. But for me, I was like, I mean, like, I feel like what? they should tell you that honestly, right? like I know you're going to want to puke, but don't because you have to start over. Yeah, like, you seriously. Know what I, mean? <laughs> I was I was so upset, right? Because obviously I was used to blood draws at this point, but having your blood drawn every hour is like freaky mentally for me. Like I'm like, That's you're like going to poke the same hole yes. in my arm. That's really <laughs> like makes me a little nauseous. Yes, yeah, like that makes me feel gross. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I had gotten through half of it. Like I was coming on to my third blood draw. I know. (laughs) So they sent me home and I had to reschedule. And so I think that was like, I had my first one on Monday. I think I had that one on Thursday. And then they made me come back the next Monday to do the second test again. So it was like seven or eight blood draws in a matter of a week. And I was just like, this is traumatizing. This is is awful. (laughs) So anyway, don't throw up when you have that second (laughs) second test insider's tip yeah (laughs) so but then they like let me eat the next time they didn't make me fast they were like well fast but have a plain piece of toast and just like one egg okay they're like settle your stomach with something yeah because i'm like what do you want me to do i'm gonna throw up again like there's no way i can do it and so they let me eat that and then i was it was was still a terrible second hour that second round but I was able to keep it down. <laughs> Thank heavens. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so then I 
finished and then I got the call like a couple hours later the next day that I had gestational diabetes and I was like literally you're like I went through so much I know for that answer okay because <laughs> like after if you don't pass the first one you can opt out of the second one but they'll just make you prick your finger like all you, the time yeah like mm-hmm. treat you like you have gestational diabetes so I'm like four pricks a day versus four pricks in three hours yes. to be told no like you're like, of course, I'll drink that second drink. Yeah, but now that I've had it, I'm like, mm, maybe I'll do the pricks. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So, basically, after you get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, they set you up with, like, their nutritionist that they work with. Mm-hmm. And then I was back to having ultrasounds, like, every other week. Okay. So, I had, basically, a second anatomy scan to make sure Remy's, because with gestational diabetes, they're worried about big babies. Mm -hmm. So they do another anatomy scan right at the beginning after you get diagnosed, and then you have just kind of growth scans every other week until you deliver. Amazing. I'm jumping back for two seconds because I'm just thinking. No, go ahead. In my experience, I've known moms to be treated with insulin Mm -hmm. for their diabetes and like diet or either or. Yeah. Were you just diet controlled? Yeah, I was just diet controlled. And with gestational diabetes, I think there's so much unknown. Mm -hmm. And there's so many like stereotypes or I don't even know if that's the right word, but just like judgments about it that Mm -hmm. you just think like even I had it before I was diagnosed with it. Like, and, and I hope it's not taken the wrong way, but I'm like, I'm a small girl. No, totally. Like, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Where it's sure. like, this only happens to someone who is unhealthy, mm-hmm. to someone who is eating a crappy diet, to someone yeah. who like maybe grossly overweight. Like there are a ton right. of things that like people associate with diabetes, I yeah. think. When in reality, like a very healthy person can have diabetes like their pancreas just isn't working you know what I right mean? yeah and like it's in in the pregnant population as well like it can be like the typical healthy young mom that gets mm-hmm. gestational diabetes for no reason like we right. really don't know why right and know? I mean I wouldn't classify myself as like this healthy person because <laughs> oh, whatever I definitely probably don't take care of my diet and myself my body is as good as I should oh, but please. But yes, I had those misconceptions too. Like, I didn't know anybody who had gestational diabetes. Like, it was so uncommon, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that I was like, I got this in the bag. Yeah, you're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) And then, yeah, I got it. And I, like, yeah, there's just so many misconceptions and so much, like, really, I didn't, like, feel super guilty, but I also didn't really want people to know Mm -hmm. because I felt like people would think that it was my fault. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And... After I had the most amazing nutritionist, she was located in Idaho, so we had phone calls every other week. I was going to say, you did not drive, right? No, (laughs) definitely not. I don't know how they're, like, associated, but yeah, so I'd have phone calls with her every other week, and then on the other weeks, I would go into the hospital, and then they would do the ultrasounds, and I would meet with a different nutritionist. Okay. So... Yeah. Anyway, but my nutritionist that was located in Idaho, I loved her. Like she was very educational and was just like, this is not your fault. Like it is, it is totally your placenta. Mm-hmm. Like it is your placenta. So I had to like write down cause I was like, I did never took anatomy. I, yes, you're like, <laughs> I did not I know. know anything. <laughs> yeah, Still fine. don't really know a whole ton, <laughs> but from what I remember, um, so with like your placenta, I had to write this down so I didn't forget. 
So let's see, where is it? So insulin created by your pancreas. When your blood sugar goes up, when blood sugar goes up, it secretes your insulin to grab those sugars and put them into cells to use as energy. Mm-hmm. But the hormones from the placenta are making your insulin weak. So that's why it's totally up to your placenta mm-hmm. because, yeah, like I don't have diabetes elsewhere. Like, yeah, you know, otherwise. Like, normally I'm fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the hormones from your placenta make your insulin weak um, and that causes the sugar the sugars to last in your bloodstream longer. Yeah, because that weak insulin can't latch to the sugar to transform it into energy, essentially. Like, there's just more sugar floating around. Right. Kind of. Yeah, because, yeah. Because, like, when I first got diagnosed, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to, like, look at the sugar on everything. And actually, she's like, you don't actually look at sugar. You actually look at the carbs. Carbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, like, a whole nutrition lesson like yeah it was crazy like you have they like give you handouts that like you got in like I feel like seventh grade like the placemat in, like help yeah yes. the the With pyramid the, like, yes. pyramid and you're like wait the pyramid the placemat <laughs> of like what your portions should look like yeah. and yeah. yeah it was just but also like with being diet controlled like I think even then like it would have been up to my placenta like mm-hmm. i still could have been placed on insulin even if i was doing the diet All the and everything things. Mm-hmm. yeah um which i think that's an important point like you said because yeah. like there is no guilt associated with this diagnosis because it's really out of the mom's control for sure and like from the outside yes we can try and control so many things like using diet mm-hmm. but end all like you could again be the healthiest person following like every direction you can right <laughs> to control your diet and your placenta is saying no yeah and like you can't control that so you're on insulin next you know what i mean right yeah and it's just like there's so much like so once you get the diagnose um the diagnosis of gestational diabetes you like get this set up with this nutritionist they talk you through how to manage it and then you have to go get your glucose meter mm-hmm. and the needles the sharps and like the little tabs that actually tell you i don't even remember what they're called A little like strips that tell you your your sugars sugar. yeah <laughs> i know i'm like i don't know what those are called either right now yeah <laughs> and uh, so and then you just start pricking so you have four pricks a day You prick first thing in the morning, which is called your fasting sugars, and then you prick an hour or two after every meal, Mm -hmm. which was really hard for me because I am not a very scheduled eater. (laughs) I am a snacker. So I, and it was really hard for me to like figure out how, but even with gestational diabetes, like you still have snacks that you have to eat throughout the day. Mm -hmm. You just, you do have to be a little bit more regimented, but, um, my nutritionist was just so great because she was like, live your life. Yeah. Like, eat the cake. Yes. Um, but maybe eat half the size that you normally, you know, mm-hmm. a half the portion of what you normally would have. Or, like, something that's so key with gestational diabetes, always eating protein. Mm-hmm. Pair whatever you're eating with as much protein as you could possibly eat. Well, maybe not as much. But always have protein with <laughs> yeah. whatever you're eating. Um, and like, she was like, have the bowl of ice cream, but have nuts on the side with it or on top of it, you know, like Mm -hmm. have just something to help process that sugar. Um, and so she was super awesome and there's like ways to cheat the system. (laughs) 
hey we need the insider <laughs> tips i'm serious give it to us <laughs> like i with like like i during remy's pregnancy i loved captain crunch okay loved Love captain crunch yes. and i was so bummed that i couldn't eat it and then i was like reading the label and i was like, like i, I can, can totally this? make this work yeah. <laughs> um and so i ate it and i pricked my finger out an hour and i was like i cannot make that work <laughs> it was so bad um but my my dietitian was always very like if your first prick is bad then like log the second hour prick instead mm. of the first hour um and the ways to cheat the system they're not really that great but it's moving you have to move mm-hmm. like so i literally we lived in this small apartment i would pace my apartment yes like i knew i would eat something bad and i'm like i gotta really walk. gotta walk my laps <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would walk for like 30 45 minutes like hey, it's good exercise i know <laughs> i know right like and that's what she would say like move every day like just move but yeah whenever i cheated i'd always be like i gotta go walk <laughs> <laughs> that's really hilarious it sucked but at the same time i would like prick my second time and, I, and it would be like closer still bad to passing like... <laughs> or yeah still bad and you're like dang it <laughs> um but yeah it's just kind of crazy because like you have control but at the same time as you get further along in your pregnancy your placenta gets bigger so it releases more stronger hormones Mm -hmm. that makes your insulin even more weak and so really you don't have a whole ton of control but you do it's Mm -hmm. kind of weird yeah so yeah so that was kind of how i cheated the system i would eat what i wanted and then i would move as much as possible Mm -hmm. and usually do the two hour prick instead of the (laughs) one hour prick but if you did that then you had like two extra pricks yeah you're like so you're poking yourself extra so (laughs) pick your poison i guess yeah seriously (laughs) um but you kind of get to this point where you just eat the same things you know no we'll be fine yeah Mm -hmm. and but your fasting sugars are actually really interesting so that's your first prick in the morning and you do have to kind of take it around the same time every day Mm -hmm. um and I don't really understand the science of, like, the bodily science of why this happens. Um, but I know that, like, she would always – it was, like, counterintuitive almost. Because, right, you're like, oh, I have to eat this healthy diet and make sure I'm, like, pairing everything. But then it was, like, at night for your nighttime snack, you could eat, like, way more sugars mm-hmm. because your body – they'd, like – because you're sleeping it'd be depleted over like the 10 hours you're sleeping yes. before you have your fasting yeah and test. i don't know if this is right but this is something that i remember but like if you didn't eat a good enough snack with like high enough sugars then your body releases while you're sleeping from what i understood mm-hmm. your body would release like an extra dose almost like you had another snack Mm -hmm. and so that's why fasting sugars are so hard because depending on when your body released that you would wake up and your number could be totally off Mm -hmm. um that's really interesting yeah so then she'd be like so just eat more of like eat more ice cream than nuts for your night nighttime snack or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah so it was just it's just interesting how like, I'm pretty sure, like, my worst grade in college was nutrition. And then here I was, like, trying to manage Your, like, real life diabetes. Issue. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's freaking but, hilarious. But I think also important to say that, like, 
it was manageable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't become this overwhelming diagnosis of, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you got set up with an amazing nutritionist. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is something that's important to mention is that you really do, if you receive this diagnosis, like, you're connected with the resources you need. Yeah. And, like, it becomes a very manageable thing. Yeah. And with that, like, they're continually watching your baby Mm -hmm. with the growth scans Mm -hmm. and, like, making sure everything looks good internally, too. So even though, like, it may feel out of control at some points, like, they're still doing everything they can to make sure you stay healthy and your baby stays safe. Yeah. And, like, you just kind of take it as it comes, you know, at that point. Yeah, and I think it can be – it can be a scary thing. Like, at first I was definitely overwhelmed because I'm not (laughs) – I'm very – um not a committal person so I was like a diet you want me to stick to a diet for the next what seven weeks I don't know (laughs) but um they do make like they dumb it down for you they make it so easy and manageable so and with that I would say like I got the positive diagnosis and there like my dietitian was booked out for like two weeks so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do anything for like two weeks and so it felt like an urgent diagnosis Mm -hmm. but it really like it's fine to go back on what you're saying because there are like possible complications due to having gestational diabetes um when I say it's not like that big of a deal obviously there's things that make it a big deal but like I said I don't I feel like it's feels like a scary diagnosis Mm -hmm. but like you have so much, so many resources as soon as you have that diagnosis that mm-hmm. it's just, it is manageable and people are there to help you. Um, but so some possible complications to you as the mom, um, you could have high blood pressure and preeclampsia, but I also yeah. feel like yes. that's a okay, possibility like, for my mom brain though. I'm like, of course, <laughs> I yeah. do not even remember that. Yeah, that's a that's a massive complication that could happen. But Which, you also could have it without diabetes. Exactly. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, C-section and then also future type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. is yes. also Do you a know what rate more. that that like converts? Like if you have gestational, what it converts to actually developing diabetes? I don't know. I think know. it's pretty small. Because I, I remember like obviously they talked about that. And I remember being like, oh, it's not that bad. I don't need to die. <laughs> fine <laughs> uh, i'm so unhealthy it's fine but and then there are complications possible complications for your baby so bigger yeah. baby obviously mm-hmm. which can lead to c-section mm-hmm. um preterm birth and then um low blood sugar in the baby which causes oh. excessive tiredness which yes. hypoglycemia yes. which remy did have i was gonna say that is something that i feel like you do see yes fairly often is that after the baby is born their blood sugar just takes like a massive mm-hmm. hit like think they've been getting like sugies all the time yeah. and then it's like whoa what's uh-huh. happening and that can you know cause a lot of kind of complications mm. you know what i mean it's just like they can't thermoregulate their mm-hmm. blood sugar is hard so they're sleepy so they don't want to eat mm-hmm. and then like they end up with feeding issues so it's yeah it can be something that's kind of tricky after birth yeah thank you for reminding me yeah i'm remembering all the things now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so yeah remy did have that and so yeah i don't know do you want to talk about birth or do you want me to talk about remy with the gestational diabetes 
let's talk about his birth first Kay. and then jump into kind of his after. Does Kay. that sound fine? Yeah. Okay, so he like looked fine on the scans always. Yep. There was no indication for you to be induced because he was massive. Right. Okay. No, Love none it. of that. And so I had planned, I really wanted to do an unmedicated birth. I took hypnobirthing courses, which I kind of felt like hippy-dippy taking hypnobirthing courses. I, I love it. Um, but, yeah, I it. took hypnobirthing courses, and I was just preparing myself for an unmedicated birth as best as I could. But mostly, I just, like, what I loved about the hypnobirthing courses was that I learned a lot more about my options. Like, mm-hmm. when you released this podcast, I was like, yes, because there are so many things that I learned in that course that I was like, I would never have known, mm-hmm. you know, like totally. I would have never known to ask for that or that I could request that or whatever. Yes. And, um, and you know, you go in you're like, well, you're the doctor you tell me. And I feel like that needs to change a little bit. Still, yes. I still trust my doctors and still trust yes. their education yes. and everything. But I think we need to go in and advocate for ourselves a lot better than we do. Absolutely. Um, and so anyway, I had actually finally swapped my OB around the time that I got, I think I actually swapped to a group in Provo, like maybe near the end of my second trimester. Okay. So I was closer. Mm-hmm. And then around the time that I, actually had my gestational diabetes diagnosis, which like I said, I really didn't start until I was 32 weeks, which they usually do the test around 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so around 32 weeks, I changed to midwife. Okay. Yeah. So I changed to midwife and I Was that still... something you learned in your hypnobirthing class that like yes. made you? Okay. I love yes. that. Yes. I, I, but I feel like my, <laughs> my my instructor for my hypnobirthing course, loved her. She was great. She definitely had a little chip on her shoulder about obese. Okay, love it. <laughs> yeah, we get those too. And, um, <laughs> and now I have an OB for this pregnancy, and I love him. Yes. But, yeah, you just have to find what vibe, you know, fits yes. you and yes. whatever. But, yeah, so I switched to midwife, and um, I, there was still, like, a rotational group of midwives. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. Um, what was the question that you asked me? Why did I go back that far? I don't remember. <laughs> it's fine. We're just talking about getting up to Remy's birth pretty much. Yeah. So anyway, with gestational diabetes, I don't know if it's like across the board because it's different from, so my midwives, they were like, we won't let you go past 40 weeks with gestational mm-hmm. diabetes. So you mm-hmm. have to be induced if you haven't by that point had a baby Mm -hmm. but my ob now says that they don't let you go past 39 weeks i was gonna say i feel like 40 would be a stretch in my experience yeah but that's also probably more of a midwife approach of just being like baby could be massive could be fine yeah let's just let your body do its thing you know Mm -hmm. um but i would say generally like 38 or 39 is more what i would so luckily yeah they said 40 for me with remy and so yeah, so it came to the point where I was, you know, 39 weeks, and I had scheduled an induction date for the Monday, so it was 40 weeks right on. Okay. And that was the Monday before Thanksgiving. And um, I, yeah, wanted to go unmedicated. <laughs> I really did not want to be induced because I was just scared that I, I just heard, you know, when you get induced – your contractions come hard mm-hmm. a lot faster and it can be a lot harder to go unmedicated. And I really, truly like that first pregnancy. I just felt like 
man, like I'm like my body was made for this. Like yeah. my body and my baby can tell me when they're ready kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So then fast forward to like my 39 week appointment. It's a Thursday afternoon. Um, and I'm like at this point where I'm like, I'm getting induced on Monday. Like, yes, you're like, this is my shot this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, and so, and it, like I said earlier, it kind of sounds like counterintuitive to be like, I'm going to naturally induce myself, even though I want my body to tell me when it's ready. But <laughs> I think you make a good point of like natural induction techniques are fantastic. Right. And like having a membrane sweep. Mm-hmm. I would recommend if you like don't want to be medically induced yeah by like you know using medication or pitocin and like you want to see if your body can do it like a sweep is a great option right so don't I mean I don't think it's counterintuitive at all yeah well so yeah at my 39 week appointment I was like all right let's try a membrane sweep Mm -hmm. and um uncomfortable but you know you you do what you gotta (laughs) do just like a lot of things in in pregnancy are uncomfortable um so yeah so she swept my membranes and she you know prepped me like this could work this couldn't work or might not work and you could be cramping you could be bleeding a little bit you could be contracting for the next 24 hours and then everything go away Mm -hmm. um so I was kind of prepared for that and little tmi i made kaden and i i was like we're we are having making sex this worth it <laughs> yeah. like we're having sex right now let's go we are insurance policy we are for sure like at least gonna try that to make sure stack stack our our Literally. odds yes yes <laughs> no it's a brilliant idea you did everything right so anyway so yeah then that morning like 2 a.m friday morning i started contracting and they were uncomfortable. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep through them. I slept on and off through them, um, but they weren't consistent, mm-hmm. you know. So I went and I labored by myself in the living room because I just figured, well, they prepped me, you know. Yeah. Like I, you know, if yeah, this is the real like, deal, this is the real deal. If not, yeah. you know. So yeah, but I ended up not sleeping very well that night, and I made Caden stay home from work because I was like. Yeah, like I what need, if baby comes? Yeah. Like, I need you. Yeah. <laughs> I need counter pressure on my hips right yeah. now. <laughs> yes. And so he helps me labor at home all day Friday and then on and off all night, Friday night, Saturday okay. morning. Okay. So. So we're like 24 hours deep at least. At yeah. This point, right? Yeah. It's 2 a.m. on Thursday. Yeah. So I guess. No, wait, 2 a.m. Friday. Friday morning. Yeah. Okay. Friday. So through all of Friday into Saturday night. Yes. Okay. So all night Saturday night again, on and off. And then Saturday morning, I'm like, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go get checked and see where I'm at. And um, went, and I was still at a three, which was still pretty far. But I was at a three on Thursday at my appointment, yeah. and I was 85% faced. So nothing had changed. They monitored me for an hour. Nothing changed. And so they gave me a shot of morphine in my hip. Okay. So that I could at least just try and sleep a little bit. And that thing was amazing. Yes. That's you're, great. You're like, I highly, I highly advise doing that if you need it. It was great. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I slept for like four hours. And then I woke up and I had a little bit more intense contractions okay. after that. Yeah. So then we labored at home. They got more intense. 
but they weren't like they were consistent but not like as close as they say right but I was like in way more pain discomfort whatever you want to say so we went back around eight o'clock Saturday night and I was finally at a five and I was 90% face so they admitted me amazing yeah so I still was like all right I'm not getting induced until Monday, but I'm here. Like, as soon as they admit you, they're like, you're having a baby. (laughs) So I'm like, like, okay, we're doing it without induction. And so I still was planning on medicated. So I had one of my best friends who she had her baby unmedicated. She's a yoga instructor. Love it. She does postnatal, prenatal. If you want to follow her on Instagram. I'm like, yes. Who is she? (laughs) Her name is Jasmine Isley, and um, her Instagram handle is Birth Year Yoga. Okay. I love that. I always am looking for, like, a prenatal yoga. Yeah. I feel like there are very few And resources. she does Zoom. Okay, wait. What? That's yeah. amazing. She's great. Follow you guys. So, yeah, I've been doing that with this pregnancy with That's her. Amazing. But she, yeah, kind of was my unofficial doula. Very zen. Yeah. Just, I love it. Love her. So, yeah, she, as soon as I got admitted, came and met me at the hospital, and, um, we it was very quiet like no one else was in labor at least it didn't seem that way. yeah like yeah. they were like they put me they admitted me into a room and I was like well I really want to get in the bath mm-hmm. and they had like the standing up baths yes and they were like actually we're just cleaning out our one like room the tub room with you the nice the tub, tub. <laughs> yes. and I was like oh you're like yes this was meant <laughs> I to know be. <laughs> so they cleaned up that room and they moved us to that room and then we yeah I got in the tub that that like and I sat in the tub for a long time um which was great but also made me realize how tired and exhausted mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. because I all I wanted to do was sleep after that yeah um and we all recognized that my contractions were starting to slow down and I knew that they were becoming more manageable but I still wanted to cry through them yeah you're like this is still kicking my butt yeah. but it's okay <laughs> Like, I'm like, I know that this is getting easier, but I'm still, like, this is still awful. And I knew that was a bad sign, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, bless Jasmine's heart. She's like, let's, like, try and move around. Let's use some of these techniques we learned. And I'm like, no. (laughs) You're like, I'm not moving. Thank you. Because I just knew. I knew. I'm like, I know she has good intentions, and I know she's right, but I just knew it would bring on more pain. It would bring on the contractions. Totally, yeah. And I just was like, I need a break. Like, I'm so tired. I haven't slept consistently, For you know. three days. <laughs> yeah, like maybe seven, eight hours in three days, you yeah. know. Yes. And so I started crying, and I was just like, I know, like, I know, like, I want to do this, but I, like, when it comes to pushing, I don't know if I have the energy, and I have no idea at this point when I'll be pushing. Yes. So, uh, she and Caden, she was so great. She, like, made Caden go sleep, and she stayed up with me all night. Like. What a gift. Yeah, it was amazing. And, um, so, after, yeah, it was, like, five or six in the morning, and. They're like, how about we just, why don't you get checked? Like, Mm -hmm. see where you're at. If you're far enough along, like, close to transition, like, you can do it. Like, you can totally Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, then let's get an epidural. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay. So, they come and check me. And they're like, oh, you're like a six and a half. And I'm like, I have progressed 1.5 centimeters (laughs) in 10 hours. Are you kidding me? You're like, this can't be real. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I was like, huh, yeah, you can get the anesthesiologist for sure. Give me the epidural. Yeah. And at that point, I seriously, I was so pumped. I was like, it didn't scare me. I yeah. was like, yeah, bring it on. Um, and so they started prepping me for the, for the anesthesiologist. And then I loved him. He came in. And around the same time I was getting my epidural, another mother came in. Mm-hmm. Um, laboring very loudly, <laughs> very loudly. I felt so bad for her, which no judgment on how she labored. I was not that loud <laughs> through my no. pain, but it, I felt like I was in a movie, yes. like where you're like wailing, oh. screaming, oh. you know, and I was at a six and a half and they told me she was at a seven. Okay. And so I was like, you're like, either I'm handling this very well or I'm about to die. To die. You're like, so give me my epidural <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and it was like her fourth kid or something. Okay. So it was just kind of funny. And that, like my anesthesiologist was so great. He was like just pumping me up. Like you're yeah. handling this so well. Like really, truly you are. And I'm like, great. You're like, thanks. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for you to do this. Yeah, you're like, so just do your job, please. <laughs> yeah, and so... Anyway, so then it took him three tries to get my epidural, which which sounds more awful than it was actually living it, because seriously, I was, like, so ready. But, yeah, the first time, the catheter didn't thread, mm-hmm. and the second time, he hit a blood vessel, so my blood pressure spiked, pulse. Your heart rate, probably. Heart rate, yeah, mm-hmm. spiked. And then... Um, so they were like, he and the nurse were both like, oh, that's kind of concerning. Yeah, I'm like, is she okay? I'm fine. Keep going. It's fine. <laughs> you are like the dream patient that every nurse is like, okay, okay. <laughs> She's good. panicking right now, but let's go. <laughs> yeah. So then he had to do it a third time and he finally got it. And it was great. Like, you know, like they walk you through it. Like, do you feel this on your right side? Do you feel this on your left side? And I'm like, yep, I feel it all. feels great. Like, yeah. you done? <laughs> And so, anyway, so then at that point, I told Jasmine to go home because I was like, you have helped me. You have spent all night with me. Go home. Be with your family. Go sleep. Like, you deserve that. And I called my sister because my sister really wanted to be there. And I was like, yeah, come. You're like, come to a This will be great. (laughs) And she was stoked. So we swapped out, and I got some rest. Um... I did start to, like, feel very, what's the word, faint Mm -hmm. after a little bit after my epidural. So they came in and turned down because they were like, you're petite. Like, Yeah, this is probably a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a a strong medicine, so we'll turn it down. I do remember I had, like, super bad hip pain after. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like a burning sensation in my hip. And I don't even know what they did to, like, I think they just, like, rotated me from side to side. And Mm -hmm. that kind of helped. And then they broke my water. I slept some more. And then, like, around 1 o'clock that afternoon, I was at a 10. Okay. And my midwife was, I think, at another hospital delivering. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we'll just let the baby descend, which I am actually super grateful for. Because I know some people are, like, that's a lot of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for me, like, I ended up pushing Remy for an hour and a half. And if they had made me start pushing and I had two and a half hours of pushing, I think I would have died. 
no that's a very very real thing Aubrey and I honestly I think I talked I don't know if I posted this episode yet I talked to somebody else about this Mm -hmm. that also like labored down for a while after they were complete yeah and it was interesting because recently I came across a research study that was like on the efficacy of it and it was saying like there weren't really like straightforward pros and cons to it like it was kind of like there's more cons than pros and I was like oh that's interesting because I see the pros, you know what I mean? And then to now have two people that have been like, oh, yeah, I labored down and it was great. And I'm like, huh, look, it's, yeah. it's great. So, and I mean, essentially, it's just letting your body do its thing to push the baby closer to the outside world mm-hmm. and eliminate some of the space that you are going to have to push right. to get them to the outside world, right? Right. And, well, and, like, my to go back on my epidural, my epidural is actually really great because I could still feel my mm-hmm. legs. That's amazing. Like, Maybe not feel them, feel them, but I could move. So, and I really didn't want to deliver on my back. And so I rotated from side to side when I was pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could, like, I was telling my doctor, like, I think I'm about to have a contraction. And they're like, yeah, you are. You're right. Like, that's amazing. You know, like that you can feel the pressure of that. So my epidural was really great. Yeah, I'm like, honestly, kind of the dream epidural. Yeah. Like, it was great. For the three times it took him, like, we're, we're happy. <laughs> I know. I, I loved him. <laughs> People are like, he, you should not have anesthesiologist again. I'm like, he was great. I loved, I loved him. <laughs> You're such a good human. But anyway, yeah. So I labored down for like an hour until she showed up and then, yeah, pushed for an hour and a half. And why? I don't know why. But I'm like, I labored for, what, three days? And that pushing for an hour and a half? Holy crap. <laughs> It's so real. <laughs> it is a workout. It is yeah. exhausting. It is so draining. Like, I, there were a couple, like, I'm sure my nurse was, like, irritated with me because she was like, let's just take a couple contractions and let's just breathe. Like, yeah. you know, I had the rag on my head and I was like, I am so uncomfortable. I am not taking a couple yeah, contractions like, to breathe. We are out. pushing, yeah. you know, but I probably looking back, I'm like, I probably should have taken a couple breaths. No, you're the mom. <laughs> you know what you need. But. but I, yeah, I was like. It's brutal though. It's no joke. It and is brutal. like, I feel like that's another thing. First time moms, very typical for them to push for like one to four mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a really typical timeline mm-hmm. and for you to have labored for three days now yeah. to get to this point like it's like yeah you're spent mm-hmm. like you don't have much left to give no so it's like you're just everything you can give in those contractions you're like let's just get this baby here yeah and the pressure felt like oh my gosh so unreal you're mm-hmm. just like oh my gosh <laughs> mm-hmm. get him out yes. get him out I love him but get him out yes yes <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so I pushed for an hour and a half. He finally came and it was it was good. It was great. Um I like had advocated to have that golden hour mm-hmm. of like one-on-one bonding time, but I was like so excited to see how much he weighed and everything. I was like, "Take him, take him. I want to know." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, "I probably shouldn't have done that seeing how the rest of my experience went just cuz I think it would have been valuable time for to me and Remy." Mm-hmm. Um because I did end up hemorrhaging. Yeah. And so um, basically tore a first degree tear in my perineum and then I tore two second degree tears on my vaginal walls, mm-hmm. both sides. Internally. Okay. Yes, internally. So yeah, my OB now, he always says the gutters of the vagina. He's like, so you <laughs> tore in the gutters? I'm like, yes. You're like, well, that's such a lovely term. Thanks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, so poised. Seriously? I don't know. <laughs> the gutter? I'm like, bro, yeah. come on. It's a little more grace. I know. So... And with internal tears, 
they're really hard to locate because mm-hmm. you're bleeding. I mean, from what I was told profusely. <laughs> yeah. And they bleed a lot. And yeah. it's like you can't find them really because mm-hmm. they're internally. Mm-hmm. Plus you're bleeding anyway because you yeah. just had a baby. Yeah. And so it's just like what's bleeding? Yeah, is it your uterus? Exactly. Is it your cervix? Is it your vagina? Like where is this coming from? Yeah. So they had – so my midwife had a really hard time locating that. So she, so three was my lucky number because she took them three times to stitch me up and, um, they stitched, she stitched me and I was still bleeding. And so she unstitched me and called the on-call OB. They both stitched me. They missed, which I don't, again, I don't blame them. Like, I really don't like, what am I to do? I've never seen it. I've never done it. And I'm sure it's difficult, especially internally, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they unstitched me, and then they finally got it on the third try. But at that point, my body was in shock. I was shaking uncontrollably. I remember, like, I was holding Remy, and like I said, I probably should have taken advantage of that golden hour because by this point, I couldn't hold Remy. I was shaking so bad. I was like, I can't hold on to him. So Caden took him, and um, I just remember, like, telling them over and over like I'm so cold I'm so cold my legs are so cold (laughs) they kept piling blankets up on me I have this picture I literally look like snowman (laughs) like buried like literally (laughs) (laughs) I like was shaking so bad and they just kept piling blankets on and later I found out it's because they're trying to keep your blood central to your heart Yeah. And, um, but finally I remember this nurse, I don't even know if it was a blanket, which I understand they were stitching me, so they couldn't really cover my legs. Yes. But eventually she like put, I don't even know if it was like a tarp or something. Yeah, just it was probably over. like, they call it like a bear hugger. It's like a, kind of like a tarp thing that you hang yeah. or like put over you and then it's hooked to a little machine that like fills it with hot water oh. or like hot air and it like, that's, I don't know. If it was anything like that, they're amazing. It was great. As soon as, like, because I kept saying over and over, like, I'm so cold. My legs are so cold. And my sister actually took a picture of me. And um, <laughs> she's, like, taking the picture. She's like, I, I know this is really awkward and you'll hate this now, but we'll laugh about it later. <laughs> and like it's a live photo so you can like press it and like see me shaking underneath all of these blankets and and, like my eyes are like rolling back behind my head i look awful i actually posted it on my blog so oh we'll check it out check it out if you want (laughs) but anyway i um yeah it was but at the time i didn't realize what was happening yeah, right just kind of like okay and i remember now like after people told well my sister told me because so here's kind of back to gestational diabetes with remy so they came and told me in the middle of me like in shock they're like your baby has low blood, blood sugar sugars. we're gonna need to take him up to the nursery to give him some treatment or sugar gel like or sugar whatever. water yeah. yeah and i had told kaden before we had remy before we were in the hospital like you go with Remy, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my sister was there to be with me. But Caden totally went to the nursery thinking, I'm going to be a single parent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, terrified. Okay? Yeah, like... <laughs> he had no idea. 
And um, and he, like, they had him in the rocking chair at the foot of my bed. So he, like, witnessed everything. Oh, my like, gosh. And my sister was, like, just kind of documenting everything, like, videos and pictures. And she, like, both of them are just like, oh, so much blood. Yeah. So much blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, but they had, like, come and told me, like, hey, his, you know, we didn't take him. And I, like, was, like. I recognize, like, they were telling me to be good people and let me know where my baby is going. But at yeah. the time, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yes, you're like, Do what you need to like, do. I'm just yeah. like, and then they had to actually come put in a second, I don't know if it's an IV, but a second, what are yeah. they called? Yeah, IV. IV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To draw my blood, to do some tests to make sure that my blood was clotting so I didn't need a blood transfusion. And so I had the one in my hand and then the one in my arm, which sucked because I couldn't bend it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hold Remy after everything got yes. resolved. Which that's also another tip. When they go to put your IV in at the beginning of labor, don't let them put it in your arm right there. Because sure. you will. You'll want to hold your baby. You'll want to bend your elbow. They can do it lots of other places. So if your nurse goes for your elbow, just say no. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So it was the worst because I like – for the beginning, when I first got admitted to the hospital, I just did a saline lock mm-hmm. for that. So I didn't have any IVs or anything until I got my epidural. Then they started running I like some fluids. Mm-hmm. and fluids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I got that second one. And then, yeah. Um, so they took Remy. And my sister stayed with me. And everything kind of started to calm down. And then I got transferred to the postpartum unit. But with Remy's blood sugar, um, he... Because it was low, and I don't know if this is, you'll have to tell me if this is, like, um, procedure with gestational diabetes babies all the time, or if they just have low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. But for the first 12 hours, they pricked his foot every four hours because he had the low sugar at the beginning, and then the second 12 hours, it was every six hours. Mm-hmm. But is that because he had low blood sugar, or is it because... I had gestational diabetes. Both. So because you had gestational diabetes, they're doing sugar checks on him. Uh And then because his sugar was low, they're checking it a lot. So I wonder, I don't know if the window of time of them checking is different if that first sugar is low. Uh I think they continue to check. It just might not be as frequent. Okay. But with him having had the low sugar, they follow the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, so, and if he had one low prick after that, then he would be admitted to the NICU, NICU. Mm-hmm. which if he did, I think they were like, he for sure would be there for at least 24 more hours, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they would have sent us home. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I just really didn't want that. Yeah. So, um, but because like any woman after having a baby you're like traumatized and <laughs> your body is like in shock of like mm-hmm. what the freak just happened to me yeah um I I really feel like I was really dazed in the hospital mm-hmm. and because I lost so much blood I just I don't know that probably contributes but I just felt like like I wasn't concerned about the lack of bonding between me and Remy mm-hmm. but yeah he had a hard time nursing which, again, didn't really concern me a whole ton because I had heard about it. And, yeah. But something to know, like, skin to skin is very, very beneficial, mm-hmm. for especially for blood sugars as well. Um, and so 
like we supplemented a lot with formula like i'm pretty sure he maybe breastfed for me like twice in the hospital yeah and then he just did formula the rest of the time and um it was fine it was great whatever but yeah they would say like if he can't get him to latch just do skin skin with him just do tons of skin skin with him which we both were like very surprised like that affects his blood sugar like that's mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. um so yeah we just did that all the time and yeah he never got admitted to the NICU he passed amazing all of his tests it was great but yeah. but yeah it's that's a complication that I would say is probably the most common complication with gestational diabetes yeah for sure for um, sure at least in my experience to go along with I mean the the topic of gestational diabetes like I'm pregnant and I don't have it this okay. time Let's talk about your gestational diabetes test the second pregnancy. <laughs> I just remembered. No, That's no, no. important. You're good. I, but yeah, I, yeah, I took the test. Well, I got the blood work. They didn't run it. So I had to do oh, yeah. it, the test again. <laughs> yeah. So that was really traumatizing as a past gestational diabetic. I was Seriously. like, what? Yes. You're like, mm. yeah. But, um, I did try and got approved with my OB a different drink mm-hmm. option. It's called the Fresh Test. Okay. You can follow them on Instagram. Um, I just ordered it. It was like 25 bucks after shipping and everything, okay. which is an out-of-pocket expense, but it's like tastes so much better. Yes. It's supposed to be a healthier option. Mm-hmm. Um, and my OB, like, it was kind of funny because you're like, like I said, you trust the – like, oh, yeah, you have the drink, but uh, here I am po- proposing a different drink. Like, you feel kind of, like, silly. Yeah, you're like, um, for sure. But. Yeah, so, but he was, like, great. He, like, looked into it. He's like, I basically just have to confirm that it has the 50 grams sugar. of sugar. Yeah. And like, I've like, seen people eat, like, two Snickers or something like that. Like, yeah. like, there are lots of alternatives that I feel like are coming into the game now. Yeah. So, it's, like, knowing you have the option to, like, mm-hmm. recommend another choice. Yeah. That's great. Look at you being an advocate well, and teaching us. And it was like, it tasted so great. It tasted literally like a fresh lemonade. And oh, I'm like, that sounds so good. I know. And I was like, it tasted almost like a light, like, like a diet type lemonade. And I'm like, how is there 50 grams of sugar like, in this? Sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I did that. And yeah, it was just like such a more positive experience. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just... I didn't, and I think because I had gestational diabetes, I was a little, like, that orange flavor drink <laughs> yes. is, like, forever ingrained in me. I'm like, ugh, yeah, I can't do it. So, um, yeah, so, and, yeah, so it's, like, a light lemonade. It's delicious. You just mix it with 10 ounces of water. Mm-hmm. And so I drank it, and then I showed up an hour later, and they did it, and I passed. I'm not saying that. Ooh. I'm not saying that that is why I passed. Maybe it is. I have no idea. But <laughs> I passed. So it's not like totally like a death sentence. Once mm-hmm. you have it once, you mm-hmm. can totally not have it again. And it was great. Like the pregnancy differences between Remy and this one, totally different, and it's been great. But yeah, it's not. It's just a, it's just a placenta thing. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's just a placenta thing. And I don't know. I just think end all like being a little more educated, mm-hmm. understanding your options and knowing that like nobody's going to leave you out there to dry and yeah. just like figure it out on your own. You yeah. know, I think that just makes everything in your health seem more manageable and seeing people like make it through 
make it through. That makes it sound like it's, it's like a horrible thing. Yeah. But like, see, you know what I mean? You come through and have a very positive outlook on right. something that could have been really scary and something that is really scary and, you know, intimidating at first. I think just so many people can learn from that. And I hope that mm-hmm. somebody who does maybe get diagnosed with gestational diabetes can hear your story and be like, oh, I actually have more control over my situation than I thought. Or like, yeah. oh, this is manageable and then I don't know I just I think so much goes a long way when you just are educated yeah this podcast Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to just it's hard I think to share your opinions when you're like for me I'm like I am not the smartest person in this room with all these Mm -hmm. doctors right Mm -hmm. but I think like if you do get gestational diabetes and you're being told like hey, you have to do this or you have, like, and you're not being, like, like, your options aren't being displayed to you. Like, obviously, there's things that you have to do to manage mm-hmm. your gestational mm-hmm. diabetes, but, like, I don't, like, just advocate for yourself. Like, you and I aren't vibing. Can I get a different dietitian? Di- yes. Different, you know, because I just think there's so, there are a lot of fear tactics in, in certain diagnosis. Yeah. And it, so I just think, yeah, it like my experience was so great, um, still sucked, but yes. it was yes. like so great because I had providers that were so great about it and mm-hmm. helped me work through it and learn rather than like, you know, like I for sure had high pricks, like yeah. I for sure had high readings in my blood sugars and they were always like, you're human. Yeah. Like you're human. Yeah. You enjoyed that meal. I'm glad you enjoyed that meal. Yes. You know, and it turns out like you log everything, right? So mm-hmm. you're logging every prick four times a day for a week before your next appointment. And like, you know, I would have like four or five. I think the most I had was seven high like numbers on one log. And she's like, you realize that's like a day and a half of pricks out of the whole week that you had. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay, you know? And it's just like, you need to find people in your corner that support you, that they don't expect perfection. They realize you're learning. So advocate for yourself to find people that vibe with you, that you vibe with to get the best support that you need. And with that, you guys, if there's anything you walk away from this episode with, I hope it is a better education of gestational diabetes and what your care might look like if you receive that diagnosis. From Aubrey's experience, we see that it can be a very manageable thing. While still scary and intimidating and a lot of unknowns that come along with it, it can be something that becomes really manageable and that you can feel supported in and through. So thanks to Aubrey for sharing her story and for educating us all. Mm -hmm.